Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. And I want to welcome you to our good news segment. And by the way, this is really, really good news. Sharon Miller joining us here today, head of small business, Bank of America. Well, let's ask this question, right? Where are we with us small business people? Are we optimistic? Are we thinking things should be better? Where do we stand as we look forward at our future and the future of our businesses? Uh, Sharon is joining me here, as I said before, head of small businesses, Bank of America, and boy, she's got a lot to share. Sharon, great to have you. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Okay. Where are we? You know, when I first started this 15 years ago, um, you know, life looked pretty good. Then life didn't in terms of businesses. Now people are feeling a new, or shall I say renewed energy. Is it all in their mind, or is there something really good going on? I think there's something really good going on. I mean, according to our recent survey that we just released for the spring 2018 owner report, we found that business owners were the most optimistic we've seen uh, since 2015. And so we continue to hear and uh, see the confidence that is coming through with entrepreneurs across the country. And, uh, and it is certainly, uh, you know, it, it is certainly, well, it's spread out, right? It's, it's even, it's not just because of one area or another. We did hear uh, signs related to tax reform. That is one reason for it. We also heard the strength of the national economy. That's another reason. And then, and then other areas around the stock market. We've seen strength in that. So I think it's broad uh, based and it is uh, spread across a, a few different factors. And resoundingly, we heard that yes, people are encouraged, they're optimistic, and they feel that their prospects for growth are very, very strong. So, you know, I, I know you're completely immersed in this. Um, there are changes that have happened over the past year. And the question mark is, who do they affect? Um, how are businesses going to be affected by any tax changes, let's say? Well, um, you know, what we did hear that uh, from business owners is that new tax changes, they present opportunities nationwide. And so uh, 58% cited that the new tax policy was a game changer for their small business. And 37% said they've altered their 2018 business plans as a result of the new tax changes. So we are hearing that that is something that is positive positive. 
I mean, I think about Bank of America, our corporation. At the end of 2017, we uh, paid bonuses to 100,000 employees, $1,000 each, because of the tax reform. And so we had more money to invest and to put back into our employees in the form of bonuses. And we did. And I'm hearing that not only from large corporations, but also in small businesses. They're, they're, they're giving their employees bonuses. They're hiring more employees. They're buying new technologies. They're investing in new locations. So this uh, excess cash is going back into their business to grow and to uh, retain employees or to attract new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you open up the report, you look at the report, and you you say, yeah, that's great. I, I could have figured that out, or I could have figured this out. What were some of the pr- surprises that you saw? What were some of the things where you looked well, at it and said, huh, that's interesting? <laughs> you know, in, in, in light of everything we're hearing, we asked a lot about digital and online and you know, how how the new technologies are, are enhancing or changing the way you think about doing business. In light of all that and, and everything we hear, we still found in this survey that only six out of 10 businesses have a website. Mm. And so to me, you know, when you're opening a business, at least according to the respondents, right, it may not be true across all uh, segments, but the people we surveyed, only six out of 10 had a website. And so, you know, when you open a business today and you hang your shingle and say, you know, here I am, I'm open as a restaurant or, you know, as a bakery, it is to me just as important that you have that shingle in the, you know, digital world. And that's through a website many times. And so to have only six out of 10 saying yes, I think we need to, you know, make sure that business owners are thinking about how does their physical presence meet the digital world and it can become complementary and a way to uh, enhance their business. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. We opened up a separate line of business in, in, in my company right here because what we discovered in the radio business is, uh, first of all, f- there's a new level of education we need to provide people with about the world of media, digital radio, podcasting, all of the above. But the second thing we discovered is exactly what you talked about. You know, how people represent themselves in the digital world, even when they have a website, they don't think about how the technology has changed. And their website is completely unrecognizable by search engines like Google. And I'm so fascinated to hear this because I thought we were living in a bubble around this, but it sounds like it's pretty consistent. Do you, do you think that part of this is that as we enter this new age, let's say, that folks just don't know what to do? They don't have a blueprint for how to optimize all of what you all have in this report. I think that's right. I mean, I think they need help. I mean, they need guidance. Look, it is, there's so much information. There's so many things to consider and think about when you own your own business. And the most, um, I, I think the the most, um, maybe not the most in the right word, but the, the things that I hear most from business owners mm-hmm. when they open up their business, it's like all I wanted to do was 
you know, do what I love, which is, you know, cooking and, you know, I wanted to open this restaurant or I wanted to have a bakery or, you know, or I want, I love, uh, skiing. So I wanted to, uh, open a, you know, sun ski shop, right. I love what I do and that's my passion. And I didn't really consider all these other elements that are administration in nature, like what you're saying, like marketing, right. I I didn't know that I was going to have to be the accountant, the (laughs) CPA, the, 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 janitor, right? The bookkeeper. I didn't know I was going to have to do all this stuff. I just wanted to bake or, you know, I mean, so, so that's, I think the biggest surprise and that's where you have to ask for help and get professionals involved because that's also where I see most businesses fail because they just didn't anticipate all the complexity and they just, they get overwhelmed and they just can't do it. Yeah. Let's talk about some. I agree with you. You know, when I coach people, I say the first thing you want to think about, even before you work with us, is get a virtual assistant. Um, Because I'm one of those people. I was doing everything. And what happens is you get burned out. You can't hold on to the vision. I want to ask you about some really cool uh, new, uh, let's just call it language for the moment. 3D printing, blockchain, cryptocurrency, Wow. Where did all this come from? <laughs> That's what I'm asking. <laughs> it is like, where did this come from? I tell you what. And, um, you know, I do get asked these questions a lot. I mean, the Internet of Things, right? All this. I'm like, wow, it is. Uh, there's something else out there. I mean, there's like so many new things. Every time you turn on the TV or you, you know, read an article, it's about something new and it's hard to keep up. So, you know, let's start with just this whole blockchain, right? Because blockchain seems like it's been out in the news a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what is it? What is the relevance to small business? We, we ask, and, and really small business owners, they don't know. It's unknown. We don't know. Um, and 65% said they're not even familiar with it. Right. So, you know, it, it is, it is certainly, I mean, and for those of you listeners that don't know, it's a technology, it's a digital decentralized public ledger of digital transactions. And it can involve cryptocurrency, contracts, yeah. records, or other information. So it is a whole record-keeping type of system. And, and I think the jury's still out. Small business owners are not sure how this is relevant to what they do, but I'm sure it will be eventually, right? Um, I know at Bank of America, we've got a lot of different blockchain patents, and we're definitely... Um, you know, into that, to, to that uh, technology and the emerging technology. Now, when you think about uh, what does that mean for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies yeah. and all this, you know, who knows? Because that is certainly, um, you know, something that the jury's still out on. But I think, you know, you're going to continue to hear these new uh, new technologies and, and people pushing forward and innovating. And, hey, we've you know, some businesses are going to embrace and some they're not. But, but I do know that business owners at 70% of them are investing in technology every single year. So they're investing in these technologies and they're, they, they understand it's important and the jury's still out on how it will impact them going forward. Yeah, and I think it is a big issue for a lot of reasons because, you know, from the banking side uh, side of it, and and I just went through this recently, is we're now finding that even when you have a regular transaction, a credit card transaction, um, 
What's happening now with credit card disputes is unprecedented. It's almost impossible, at least we have found, and we did a survey on this, that when somebody says or objects to a credit card purchase, their door is open. They can say, no, you didn't provide me with the service. And the restrictions around how you must put together your case and what you can use has been fascinating because you're not even allowed to use email communication to prove your case. So this particular aspect of what we're talking about has so many moving parts that have to be looked at and thought about. Absolutely, absolutely. And so back to, you need help, you need a partner. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's so important because, um, you know, it, it is in big corporations, you know, we have a legal department, we have yeah. HR, we have, um, you know, communications, all that. But in a small business with less than 100 employees, it's not there. And so it is even more important because you can't be an expert in mm-hmm. everything, no matter how hard you try, right? right. And you want to stick with your passion and what you love to do. And so it's so important mm-hmm. that you get a partner, you get the information and outsource when yeah. possible. Yeah. I, I looked at one statistic and I know you got, you've got to run, but there was one statistic I really latched onto. And it was that 52% predict all business payments will be digital within five years. I thought that was low. I, I mean, I, I, for me, when I sit here and I see the way payments are happening from all over the world, I'm looking at within um, 18 months, the technology is going to be so uh, ubiquitous that the opportunities for digital only are going to be unprecedented. And I'm so glad that you all at Bank of America have gone out in front and are gathering this information. Um, before we, you hop off, how are folks going to be able to download their own version of this report or find out more, Sharon? How do they do that? Yep, you can go to bankofamerica.com forward slash small business, and there you can find the 2018 uh, spring small business owner report, and then a lot of other information uh, for business owners, whether you're just getting started or you're a very established business. It's a lot of uh, great content. Okay, one last question. What do you want all of us as top of your list to keep our eye on? Well, I think you just have to keep your eye on your passion, what you love to do, keeping your eye on the local economy and fueling it. And that's what small business owners do every day. Mm. And so don't let all this administration, right, scare <laughs> you, right, because it, it can. And, and so that's what I'm mean, like, okay, but leave it to the experts and get a partner and don't be afraid yeah. of, of asking for help. And I yeah. think that's the thing. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help. You're not expected to know everything. And that's why uh, we're here for you and, uh, and for your listeners. Thank you so much. Again, give out that website, please. And thank you for doing this. Yep, it's uh, bankofamerica.com forward slash small business. Well, thank you, Sharon. Thank you all. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Interested in deepening your spiritual practice? The School for Esoteric Studies offers online training to spiritual seekers from all paths of life and individual coaching. 
Our courses synthesize Eastern and Western spiritual traditions based on meditation, study, and service applied to everyday life. To learn more about our courses and services, please visit www.esotericstudies.net. Defining success and putting minds to work. With the Higher Learners Career and Leadership Series, Rudy Racine will help you craft your personal definition of success, offering support and guidance as you move forward towards your goals. Take the leap. With the right mix of focus and motivation, anything can be achieved. Tune in every first and third Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 Eastern. And for more information on Rudy Racine and Higher Learners, visit Rudy's site at higherlearners.com. That's H-I-R-E learners.com. Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasik has a special gift for everyone out there. To receive three chapters of the Knowledge Book as a special gift, send your email to mmjp99 at gmail.com. That's M as in Mary, M as in Mary, JP99 at gmail.com now to receive this fabulous, fabulous gift of the Knowledge Book. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. Now, many of you have heard me talk about and share about what it was like for me to go back to school after working for a lifetime. And you've also heard me reflect and say things like, I don't know how parents are doing it today. Well, guess what? I don't need to know how. Danae Damian is joining us here today. Principal Tailored Solutions for Edward Jones. Listen, May 29th, is the date we're gonna say so that we can get educated and informed how to raise awareness for our 529 or 529 plans and setting education savings goals. Super important. Danae, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm one of these people that went back to school after a lifetime career. And I've often shared, you know, my journey with so many people listening. And one of the things I've learned, and I'd love for you to talk about the study that you all did, is that education has changed so significantly that there are so many opportunities for people to go to school. But we are so unaware how to save the money for our kids' education. Absolutely. So we, Edward Jones, um, did a, a, a survey for the seventh year in a row. Um, and what we found is that only one third of Americans know what a 529 plan is. That's one out of three know what one is. So awareness is really low. And what's so, so interesting about that is just what you said. Um, I mean, we've been, we know that college is, is really important, right? The, the opportunities that a college education um, the doors that it opens um, is really important, but there's the lack of awareness on how easy it can actually be to start saving for your kids or your grandkids' college education. It's really easy. Um, it's just there's a, this lack of awareness, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, and uh, you know, I th- I have to say that that's probably one of the most shocking, I, I would say, findings in this study because there's so much 
in our media about the cost of education. Were you surprised about that, or, or was that not the, the most surprised you were in from the survey? So I would say surprised and disappointed, yeah. right? Um, we also learned that only half of parents are actually saving anything, mm-hmm. and that drops to about four in 10 parents for kids under the age of 13. And that's really where you get the biggest benefit is when you can start early, you know, when your kids are really little, like born, um, when you can start saving, even if it's a little bit a month, and just dedicate that for college education, that really goes a long way when you think about the compounding interest and that, you know, that simple calculation of, um, uh, you know, of saving over time. Yeah. You know, back in the day, okay, I'm going to date myself. It's a little scary right now. But back in the day, there used to be these things that we were encouraged to do for just this reason. And they were called savings bonds back when. And everybody had them deducted from our checks. And, you know, we just didn't pay any attention to them. But before you knew it, boom, there they were. What are we going to be able to do to say to folks, listen, Let's help you look at this same idea so that here it comes, here it goes, and before you know it, you're not worrying about this. That's exactly right. So a 529 savings plan, um, it's like the new, it's the, it's the new version and the new and improved version of <laughs> savings bonds. And I'm right with you. I had savings bonds too, right? Yeah. Um, and, but the 529 plan, um, it, you know, it's tax-friendly. Uh, what I mean by that is the investments inside of the account grow and compound tax-deferred, very similar to an IRA or 401k plan. But when you take that money out to use for college expenses, it comes out tax-free. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, the biggest reasons that parents and grandparents love these plans is the tax advantages. Um, the other thing that people really like about these, unlike custodial accounts or unlike savings bonds, um, the kids never take control of the money in the account, even after they turn 18 or 21. Um, so that means that even if your kid thinks that owning a really fancy car is a better idea than paying for college, they can't use this money to do it. So a couple of really big um, advantages of a 529 plan. Yeah, and you know, that's. I think you're raising like about four very important points. The whole idea of tax-free is a phenomenon that most people I don't think hear enough of. I really don't, because in the world we're living in today, if you have an option where you can literally put money away, and I love what you said about, you know, let's start putting them on the, on the you know, even before that first birthday, but what is it that folks need to overcome to do this. I mean, I looked at, you know, the definitely the numbers you guys put together on what the rates are of awareness. But I, then I looked at the other statistic. 13% plan to use a 529 plan. And I just thought, how are we going to close this gap? What's your idea, uh, Danae? How are we going to do that? Well, the first thing we're going to do is all your listeners are listening, right? So we need each of your listeners to tell every single of their family members, if they have kids or grandkids, we just need this ripple effect, right? We need people to start really thinking and not only thinking and and doing and talking about it, but actually doing something about it. And opening a 529 plan is so easy um, that they shouldn't procrastinate. 
um, it really should be a priority if you think that kids and grandkids will benefit from having a college education and walking out of that college without the huge burden of debt. Um, I want to just make sure we tell people a couple times during this interview um, how they can find out more, because I think this is why it's important for us to do these and make sure folks know, yeah, we're talking about it here, but go over here to this website and take a look at what the possibilities are. How can folks do that? Yeah, so edwardjones.com has some great resources and information on how to get started. So it is important that you are educated and you know that you are an educated consumer um, and that you're making the right choice for your family. Um, and we do believe that the 529 plan is, is the best way to save for college. But you do need to do a little bit of research. Um, edwardjones.com is a great place to start. You know, what's interesting about this is I uh, have a friend that uses 529, and they went and they talked to the family members, uh, grand grandma, grandpa on both sides of the family, and they actually asked for them to have a commitment to a dollar a day in the child's 529 plan. And I thought the first time I heard that, I thought, are you kidding? How brilliant is that? A dollar. I mean, you know, think about it. It costs more to go to the movies than it would take to have this kind of contribution. Is there something that we could talk about for folks to really get them to come out of the box, think out of the box on how to build these plans? Because I thought that was a brilliant idea to go back to grandma and grandpa and say, look, don't spend $200 on the birthday. Can you please put it over here? That's exactly, you hit it, you, that is spot on. Um, so every little dollar helps. Anybody can contribute to a 529 plan, aunts, uncles, family members, non-family yeah. members. Um, so it is a great idea. So instead of, you know, for those birthday parties or Christmas, I mean, you know, how many plastic toys do you really need, right? Um, <laughs> and you know where those are going to end up anyway. So, um, you know, so instead make the recommendation or the suggestion from your family members to contribute to a 529 plan because that really is going to be the greatest gift is to have a college education that's not, you know, that's, that they're not pulling the full burden of that of that uh, debt with them. Mm -hmm. It really is the greatest gift. All right. And so one of the things I've got to clear up here because there are several misconceptions and I think this may be part of the, the problem in educating. Uh, one misconception is that if I put my money in a 529, I'm going to be restricted to where my child can go to school. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, that is a misconception. And I think one of the reasons for that is because there's confusion between a 529 plan and a prepaid tuition plans. So a prepaid tuition plan um, is basically you're saying, okay, I know my kid's going to go to state school XYZ in the future, and therefore I'm going to pay today's dollars for that future cost. But but you are, you're locked into that one college in a prepaid tuition plan. A 529 college savings plan, the kids can use that money for any post-high school education. So it could be a vocational school, it could be a four-year degree, it could be community college. Um, it's very wide and very broad in terms of how, uh, what kind of institution you can use this money for. Yeah, I mean, um, the other thing too, I want to just make sure everybody's aware of this. Um, this can be a daunting conversation 
And I know you all have representatives that can sit down with family members and walk people through. And can you talk a little bit about that? Because people that are listening are thinking, like, what? What are we doing? How are we doing it? I, it's, it's just, like, overwhelming for people. It, it really is overwhelming for many families because, number one, the dollar amounts are overwhelming. And number two, people are just busy, right? I mean, you're, you're shuttling your kids to baseball and soccer and, and piano lessons, so you kind of don't have time to think or talk about college savings, even though it is one of the most important things you should be doing. But it's about breaking it down and just putting something away every single month, just setting it up so that it automatically mm-hmm. comes out of your, of your checking account, out of your paycheck, and making it easy, um, and then just letting, you know, letting it, letting it continue um, until you need that money. So it's not as hard as what many people mm-hmm. think, um, but you do need to do a little bit of an, a little bit of education and research. Um, talk to a financial advisor who can help you break it down and really put pen to paper and make sure that it's going to work for your family. Now, the, one of the reasons you and I are speaking is because we are talking about uh, this Save for Education Day. And I think that is so super important to have a conversation about that. Um, tell me a little bit about how this day came about. And I know you're doing a ton of interviews. You know, what are you most excited about? What kind of breakthroughs can we see? Yeah, so we work with a lot of families um, at Edward Jones in our communities. And one of the things they tell us is some of the most important, when we ask them what's the most important thing to you, many of them will say, my family my kids, my grandkids. And when we start drilling down and saying, well, what, what do you, how do you want to help? It goes right to the value of an education and helping those kids or those grandkids. So our financial advisors are having these conversations every day, but we can only reach so many people. We've got about 700,000 kids who have 529 plans with Edward Jones. And that's just simply not enough. So that's why we're spreading the word. Um, In terms of the hope, you know, just continuing to have these conversations and and making sure that people know how easy it is to actually do it. Um, And then those people telling their kids or or their family members and sharing that information across generations. um, I think that's really where it's going to, that's really where it's going to help. Yeah. You know, I worked in HR for, um, wow, a good, uh, you know, over a decade, let's say, various aspects of HR. And one of the things I'm really struck by is given what we know about college and what what this country is going to need, I'm just wondering, you know, how we might do a better job in HR and say, can't this be one of the recruiting conversations you have with folks? Yeah, so, so there are certainly employers who offer 529 plans similar to how they offer a 401k Mm -hmm. plan. It's just a mechanism that you check a box and you say, I'm going to put X dollar amount Mm -hmm. a month into my my college education plan, just like you would a 401k plan. So I think it is important that employers start start looking at those options to make it easy for their employees to actually save for their kids' college education. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? So as this day approaches... That here, you know, here we're talking about, let's just talk about the United States. Now, on this day, if every employer, right, especially the big corporations, were to take this day super seriously and create a campaign, 
that would literally raise the level of awareness and people would say, what's that? What, what, what's that? Um, I know what you're doing and I know you're doing a great job and I know we're so excited to have you here to help raise this level of awareness. And I want to do, I want to do this today. I really want to give a shout out for the grandparents that might be listening to this show because they can start the conversation where their kids may not be in a position to think about it, right? So everybody needs to get involved. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. That is definitely a shout out to um, the grandparents who are already doing this mm-hmm. um, and spreading the word um, and, and making sure that they're you know, sending those values down to the rest of their family. I think that's a, that's a really big deal. Yeah, because I saw your statistic about you know 20% plan to use private student loans. And what I'm trying to say to folks is you better put something in a plan, in a 529 plan, that you're going to be able to count on. Um, again, thank you for today. I know you got to run one more time. Website, how can folks find out more? One last question, what's your personal message for today? Absolutely. So edwardjones.com is a great place to start. Um, and if you want to give one of the greatest gifts to a family member, it's a partially or fully paid educa- college education, then simply do not procrastinate. Make this a priority. I agree. Yeah, for all of you out there. Danae, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what you're doing on this. Thanks for your time. All right, everybody, we're going to take a short break. Okay, spread the word, everybody. And don't forget, edwardjones.com. We'll be right back. Love Living Radio Ignite Your Whole Being with Emily Perkins is a show for those looking to explore the sparkling magnificence of their inner selves. Tune in every second and fourth Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific as Emily sheds a radiant light of love on the beauty and power that resides within you. Discussing love in all its forms through conversations that provoke awareness, curiosity, and expansion, Emily shares the unlimited power of love. For more information or to listen to this show, visit lovelivingholistics.com. Living Lighter Radio with Jason and Patricia. We have an ecosystem approach to your life. Tune in weekly every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio as we, Jason and Patricia, discuss what's truly holding you back. We offer you the tools you need to reach your goals and at the same time be living lighter. For more information about Living Lighter, visit www.livinglighter.org. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. Practice living in wholeness and achieve fulfillment in your life with your body in full service to you. Sign up for the Body Tune-Up. Six online classes designed for radical self-healing and self-regeneration. Go to CorneliaStephanie.com. Evolve. Become a practitioner now. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Listen, I've got a great good news segment for all of you. Many of you have heard us cover cannabis and legalization of marijuana, as we like to say, in the state of Washington now for over three years. Today, it is so amazing how far we've progressed and how little we've progressed. John Poss joining us here today, chairman and CEO of GB Sciences. And what we're going to be talking about here is how to unleash the medical magic of cannabis plants. You've heard me talk about everything from cannabis oil to use for autistic children to much more. Today, we're going to get up close and personal with the real deal. Uh, thank you so much, John, for joining us here today. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm happy to be here, Dr. Pat. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. So we, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you were very profound in your statement about how far we've come and how little we've done. You know, how, how far we've come and how much more there is to do. And it's, it's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, uh, Those of us in Washington State and, and in other states where we were out in front with this, oh, my God, how long ago was that that we voted on this? We voted on this and, and uh, gay marriages in the same year. And boy, I'll tell you. We just are not seeing it come to bear. Tell me why. What's going on? The, the, the number one problem is people, the first thing people need to understand is that marijuana is a word. <laughs> it describes a general category of plant called cannabis sativa, but all cannabis sativa is not created equal. It's not the same. So when you say marijuana will help X, Y, or Z disease, it's almost a nonsensical statement yeah. for the simple reason that cannabis has, cannabis has 85 different cannabinoids, 200 terpenes, and 180 relatively unstudied bioactive uh, molecules. And they can occur in different percentages in different plants, depending on the strain, depending on how it's grown, etc. All of those things don't necessarily help every disease, but some of those things help disease states, and they're different for every disease state. For example, we filed patents on uh, a compound for Parkinson. We filed a pain compound. We have a heart disease compound. We have uh, inflammation compounds. Each of those compounds contains different cannabinoids and different terpenes that are extracted from the plant. So marijuana, in the first, if you, the, 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 the real issue, the real place that we need to focus our energies is research to unlock those and map all of the ingredients in Canada to, uh, cannabis to specific disease states, which is what we're doing. And it's been done anecdotally, but, but there are a number of problems in turning cannabis as a plant into medicine. The first thing you have to do is understand which cannabinoids and which terpenes that you need for a particular disease state. We've determined that in the lab through rapid assays against disease cell models. So it's evidence-based, not anecdotal. That's step one. Step two is once you know what those cannabinoids and terpenes are, you have to produce them in predictable quantities. Well, as I said earlier, cannabis is very random. People replicate it or, or, uh, through cloning. If you clone and you clone and you clone, by about the fifth time you've, got, you've done it, you've got a different plant that has different percentages of cannabinoids and terpenes. It's not even the same plant anymore. It regressed to the mean, if you will. 
So what we had to do is master genetic. We had to master, uh, master something called tissue propagation so that we could replicate, have produce exact replica plants without any genetic drift. So you start out with the same genetics. Then we helped to build, we built clean rooms, a highly controlled automated environment where no environmental factor changes. And as a result of doing that, we now have demonstrated through all of our test results that we can produce the same plant over and over and over again. Why is that important? Because you have to have predictable quantities of the stuff in the plant that you need to make medicine. So the, that was our first challenge, and, and we've mastered that, and we're very pleased with what we've done. It also has a benefit to consumers in that it has a consistent consumer experience. But the point is there are many steps in this process, research, cultivation research, extraction research, and most importantly, trials against patients for compounds. But to say you can smoke cannabis and it cure a disease or mitigate it, it's partially true, but it's also there's a degree of randomness in it because of the variability in cannabis from, from crop to crop, from strain to strain. Yeah, and I know I, that was a mouthful. But. Well, you know, you're preaching to the choir for us because, you know, we've known this for years. Uh, the problem as we see it, and this is what I'd like you to talk to, and that's why we're so thrilled to be talking with you. Um, if we approach this in any other way but a, but a great science, scientific approach, scientific study, scientific research, let's get it to market, let's help people heal. If we approach it in any other way but the way you've just described, we're going to be doomed just like we are in the drug industry when we start to dissect, clone, re replicate, and dilute. And so, you know, for us, being able to see that you're out in front on this and providing adequate information is important because those of us that have had an illness such as yourself, we know something's yeah. got to be done here, right? I mean, come on. We can't keep going. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We just can't. There's another interesting aspect of this is that most of, if you look at, the pharmacy industry, they're, they're a single molecule industry. That is that they say, yeah. they, they get they get a plant, they find one thing they think it works, one molecule, they patent it, then they find a way to synthesize it and they produce a drug. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the Raphael Meshulam, the grandfather of, of cannabis, really, uh, he posited something called the entourage effect. So what we're doing is embracing the complexity of the plant and not just, if you look, if you go into a dispensary today, most of what you're going to find are ratios of CBD and THC. And that's it. Maybe a little CBG from time to time, maybe some CBN. But the fact of the matter is it's the whole matrix. It's the whole matrix, whole plant that contributes to the disease state. And there are many of the minor cannabinoids that hit way above their weight, even though they're found in small quantities. They have powerful effects on our endocannabinoid system and, and, and that, that mitigate cell behavior. It's, it's, we have to, we're fighting, we're swimming against the stream with big pharma. We have a complex mixture, mixture multiple molecules, and it's botanical based. Yeah. And we want to keep it that way. And so I, I'm sorry if I get too fired up for you on this. No, I, I, no wait a minute. Let, I, let, I, let me I, tell I'm you. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm a little fired up too because we have been out in front of Lyme disease for over a decade when nobody was talking about it. And in the Lyme, Lyme disease community, and I think you know this, that one of the first remedies that folks were able to get 
because Lyme disease is not recognized in our conventional medicines. It's get, we're getting better. But the pain for Lyme disease victims is unprecedented. And where do you think they went to get relief? They went exactly to, to the place that you're talking about. So we're very fired up about you and your organization. I, I want to make sure that folks know, first of all, how they're going to be able to find out more about you and those people out there that would like to invest, they can also do that. Because this is, I, I think the predictions for this market are understated. I, I really do believe that, you know, what's going to happen with this, <clears throat> once more science like your organization company is putting out, once the science really hits the mainstream, it's, it's unstoppable. So how can people find out more? I mean, your time is so valuable in taking this message out. Uh, our website is gbsciences.com. That's GB, like in GarageBand, <laughs> sciences.com. And, and I encourage people to visit our website. And, and, and we have many uh, scientific white papers on it that will help people understand what we're doing and help them understand the plant better. And I also encourage people to go to all of the the, the the national association and state association websites which are a cornucopia of information about cannabis so if you take the effort you can find the information oh that sounds great listen we've talked about a lot of the benefits from really getting the message out i'd love to know from you what some of the challenges are that you're you're experiencing now but also moving forward what what do we have to move beyond what do we have to overcome Oh, that's a, you know, th there are many barriers. The first is obviously research. Let's open up research. We have to jump through hoops to do a research agreement with the university. We've done five of them and have five active ones, but, but we could do more and it could, be, it could be made a lot easier. The second, so research, open up research. The second is education. You know, even if cannabis were, were legalized nationwide tomorrow for medical purposes, it would be years before the patients could really get access to the, to the, to the, to the medicine or to the drug, to cannabis because doctors have or don't know how to prescribe it and they need to be educated on how to prescribe it. Patients don't know whether their disease state is one that would be helped by cannabis or not. Everyone needs to know more and we need to set up the, the mechanisms for people to have access, but not, not just necessarily open access for medical purposes, but for uh, the specific remedies, the specific compounds that they need to treat their disease. Um, you know, I think that recreation is a, adult use is a wonderful thing. And I think I salute the states that have approved it. But unfortunately in recreational states, a lot of people are treating uh, their, their disease state based on advice from a bud tender. Mm. And, and I'm not disparaging bud tenders. Many of them are extremely knowledgeable. In fact, the bud, some of the bud tenders and the caregivers who've had kid carrying cannabis patients for numbers of years probably know more about cannabis than anyone else. But it's random as to whether or not you can find the one that can give you the advice you need. We need to change that from a random pattern to a predictable pattern by educating physicians on how to advise patients regarding their, how cannabis might help them. Um, you know, these are, uh, yeah, these are, uh, thank you for pointing those out because I think that, you know, people that are listening to this want to know, what do I do? How do I support this? 
you know, um, clearly our listeners in the past have called the, their representatives, have done a number of things, you know, to show uh, their place and what they want to see more of, especially in my state. You know, we are a state that believes in holistic resources to healing. That's us. We're known for it. Um, yes. But even with yes. that, all of those challenges that you talked about, we're facing just like every other state. Absolutely. And, I, you know, it's just, it, we're just going to have to slug it out. You know, I, I think that people want cannabis and they want cannabis because they believe there's some magic in it and there's some magic that can help them with their particular illness or disease state. But they, but so they've been baiting down the door to unlock cannabis's availability and we've made great progress, but now here they are, they're inside Here's all the, they have access to cannabis and now it's, oh, what is it in cannabis that I need? Which cannabis do I need? How much do I take? Et cetera, et cetera. And, and these are, we just have to take that problem seriously. We have taken it seriously. We're building a, a, a continuing medical education course for patients and doctors to educate them about prescribing cannabis, et cetera. We're going to make it available to everyone for free because we believe that it's information that needs to be out there. And, and, uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a rather daunting task, particularly when doctors, for example, face many institutional impediments to even writing a script. Mm. First, they got to make sure their, their liability insurance or professional practice insurance. Then they got to make sure they don't get in trouble with the local medical association and don't lose their license because they're prescribing cannabis. And then they got to worry about finally the patient. What in the world am I supposed to, this person comes in with arthritis, says she thinks cannabis will help? Oh, well, which one of the cannabinoids and terpenes are anti-inflammatory? Which ones will help her conditions? Which, ones, which cannabinoids and terpenes are contraindicated? What do I do? And the physician is baffled. Yeah. And so we've got, to, got to, we've got to make it able for them to comfortably answer those questions. Do you think and, and the, uh, that's our challenge? Do you think the opioid crisis is um, almost like a door opener for a bigger conversation that includes cannabis? Um, you know, I, I, I have various opinions about the opioid crisis as we're calling it here in the United States and around the world. Um, do you think it is a door opener to say, wait a minute, you know, for the people that are taking uh, uh, prescription drugs for pain, we can help. Absolutely. I think it's not just a door opener. I think we'll kick open the barn door with this one ultimately. Mm -hmm. And the reason is very simple. O opioid, the, the human body has opioid receptors in the brain stem. Okay? What does that mean? That if you OD on opiates, you can stop breathing and you can die. Mm -hmm. Cannabis produces, pro provides pain relief that has no receptors in the brain stem. You cannot kill a person with cannabis. Mm. In fact, there's something called the LD50, lethal dose 50, which they use in clinical trials to determine what the maximum killing dose of any drug is. And they basically do it by dosing rats and keep increasing the dose till 50% of the rats die. That's why it's called an LD50. There is no LD50 for cannabis. The only way to kill a rat with cannabis is to drop a ton of it on its head. It is absolutely safe. And it's been proven, demonstrated in a lot of uh, small trials that it, is, it assists patients in, in, in kicking their opioid addiction. So opioids are destructive long-term. They're physically addictive. 
cannabis is perhaps psychologically addictive, but not physically addictive and will not kill you and relieves the symptoms of pain. So yeah, I think it's a, the barn door is open, mm-hmm. and the sooner the Fed gets something, on, you know, something open on it's better for everyone. So uh, on April thirteenth, I just want to go back to the state because I was uh, really right there when uh, our, our president announced uh, beyond belief for a lot of people. Uh, this unprecedented support of legalizing marijuana. I mean, it wasn't even a question mark about that. Um, he knows as a businessman what the next step is. Do you think you'll be able to pull that off? You know, we all hear a lot of political talk and support, but ultimately it's it's political action that makes things happen. You know, the the Congress... The Congress has two, two or three problems, not just one. Mm-hmm. The first is, yes, should you reschedule or, or, or decriminalize cannabis? The answer is, answer is obviously yes. Should you enable research? It's, you should encourage it, obviously yes. Should you promote education? Obviously yes. But then there's the problem of the regulations. If you go to any state that, that uh, has approved medical cannabis, it took them a year or more to promulgate the regulations to govern it. And, and, and that's going to be some pretty interesting stick handling at the federal level since you have 31 states that have roughly similar but different state regulations governing the plant and, 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 and the delivery of that plant to patients or, or adult use users. So mm-hmm. there's lots and lots and lots of work to be done. But, you know, if you want to get a big job done, the first thing you have to do is start. Yeah. And starting means, let's say the truth. Let's say this plant is medicine. And, you know, we've got a watershed moment coming up with the approval, of the pending approval of Epidilox, which is a CBD-based medicine for seizures. The FDA has approved it at the committee level. Final approval is at the end of June. And if that's approved, it means that cannabis no longer meets the criteria for Schedule 1 because the Schedule 1 criteria is it has no medical benefits. Well, here's a drug approved by the FDA, or will be approved by the FDA, that's got CBD in it. Yeah. And so what are you going to do now, Congress? Well, I think what they're going to do now is they're going to have to really get educated and super uh, aware of this. I think the other conversation around this, too, uh, which is not for today, is that we need to look at how some of the best natural doctors in this country have been out in front of this and what we can learn from them. Um, And that's a conversation for another day, but they have been so out in front of this for so long and we're not talking to them. Yep. Well, we talked to a few of them ourselves because they're very helpful and they know know more about this plant than anyone. Yeah, they do. Uh, thank you so much for today. One more time, website uh, and personal message. What do you want to leave G- us with? GBSciences.com is our, is our website. And the answer is education and information trumps belief. So go out there and find out about cannabis. Don't believe what people tell you. Go find out about it because there's mirac- there are miracles to be made from that plant. Yeah, and for those of you out there that listen to the show, pick up the phone, call your lawmakers, you know, say, hey, take a look at this. Let's get things going. All right, everybody, short break. We'll see you in a minute.
preceding audio was via a Skype call.